0: This podcast is brought to you by Comedy Central's Roast Battle. What's a roast battle, you ask? Imagine the perfect combination of stand-up comedy, rap battles, and professional wrestling all in one place. To so Join Brian Moses and DJ Coach T for Roast Battle the podcast as they bring you weekly live battles from the world-famous comedy store in Hollywood, as well as behind-the-scenes interviews with the industry's best comedians. You'll hear some insensitive jokes, some politically incorrect jokes, but every joke you hear comes from a place of love. Subscribe right now to Roast Battle for new episodes every Thursday in your podcast feed. In order to support our show, we'll need the help of some great advertisers. And in order to find our great advertisers, we'll need to learn a little bit more about you. So please go to podsurvey.com slash ringer wrestling and take a quick anonymous survey that'll help us get to know you a little bit better. That way we can show advertisers just how great our listeners are. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can choose to enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's PodSurvey, P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y dot slash R-I-N-G-E-R-W-R-E-S-T-L-I-N-G. Thanks for your help.
1: Hey, Packerheads, it's me, Peter Rosenberg, the most mage mage caster of them all. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. This is Rust Battle Season 1 champion Mike Lawrence. This is Scott Rustin.
0: This is Trey Kirby. This is your girl, WWE Superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks.
1: Hey, this is WWE Superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I have Shane Scannecumara. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to that. you know what you're listening you're to? Listening to. You're listening to? you are listening to you're, 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 you're listening to and you're listening to the Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show.
0: Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I'm your host, David Shoemaker, and joining me on the Masked Line is none other than famed wrestling fan, ringer writer, and uh, one of the best wrestling thinkers I know, Kenny Herzog. How you doing, man? Oh,
1: well, I'm flattered by that introduction. I'm doing well. How are you, David?
0: Great. I was just reading from a script. So um, (laughs) anyway, a lot of big stuff to go over this week. We are officially on the, the road the that we're in the H O V lane on the road to WrestleMania right now. Right, WrestleMania aside, this was an enormous week. This was the week of major returns. Obviously, Roman Reigns announced that he is in remission. Uh, he's apparently headed back to the ring, um, but he wasn't the only one that came back this week. Batista made a shocking return. Kevin Owens returned on SmackDown. Uh, Matt Hardy surprised us all by popping up. And uh, I don't know if you count the Honky Tonk Man's Hall of Fame induction as a return to the fold, but um, it'll be fun to see that that pompadour-mullet combo on the WWE Network in HD whenever that moment <laughs> comes. I want to get on this big stuff. Like I said we're on the road to WrestleMania. I, I, I do need to say, Kenny wrote a piece um, this week for The Ringer.com breaking down one of two matches that we know to be happening at WrestleMania. Kenny's going to go through, going to go match by match and break all this stuff down for us. And it's and I'm I'm very excited and I love this piece. Um, but it's sort of wild that we we you know kind of came up with this conceit to to break down all these matches, and um, and. Was, there were only two matches set, and there's still, I think, only two matches set. I mean, is that is that right? I mean, it feels like we are. I know that we have fast lane here, and fast lane. Feel free to rant about it. Gets in the way of WrestleMania planning. But at the time of writing, we had Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar set. That's what you wrote about this week. We think right. we know what's happening with the Raw Women's Championship. Although that, you know, is you can't really write about it in any kind of formal way until they get a little bit more secure, you know, I mean, definite in their plans. Is it weird that we're this close to WrestleMania and we don't know what's happening yet?
1: Well, I, I would agree that I don't think you could talk about the women's match with certainty until now we see what happens next week, you know, to be continued. Uh, I don't think you can yet talk with any certainty about the, at least the parameters of the Triple H-Batista confrontation. Um, so this it does seem that the only match that is a certainty in terms of both it happening and the conditions of it, although there could always be some new stipulation added later, is Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar. And I do think it feels like we should have more to write about, and maybe we don't because we sort of hurry up and wait with Fastlane. But uh, I, I also try and pace myself. You know, I was thinking about this last night and thinking, well, you know, we still have, this thing is happening, what, April 7th, is WrestleMania, or is it April 6th, thereabouts, it always, it's like the Super Bowl, where you always used to know, the Super Bowl was the end of January, and now you would take for granted, that it's in the first week of <laughs> February, <laughs> I mean, it used to be the tail end of March, and now it's a given, that it's, um, you know, a, a full, you know, few weeks into spring, so, um, let's see, the math, we've got, that's six, six weeks, right, WrestleMania yeah. roughly, uh-huh. so that's, that's, in, in current WWE storyline terms, I mean, that's a lot of, that, that gives them a lot of room to play. It, does, it doesn't seem like a lot if we're thinking about the slow build of years past. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll, that we'll have some uh, clearer picture with enough time to make things interesting.
0: Well, listen, speaking of cautious optimism and speaking of not knowing what's going to happen at WrestleMania... Roman Reigns is the the we the person we have to talk about. It's not that long ago that I was doing this podcast and glumly going through his speech acknowledging that he had had a um a return of leukemia and would be out for the foreseeable future. Last week right after Raw, uh we got the word that he was going to be appearing this week and and then that was quickly followed by word that he'd be appearing on Good Morning America the following right. morning and 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 you know, rumors were all over the place. Um, my, you know, my guess when I was I'm sure talking to you, talking to my coworkers at the Ringer, was that he would be, you know, just sort of announcing that he's feeling better and that he'd be, you know, hosting WrestleMania or just something, you know, some sort of honorarium like that. But man, he came back Monday and said he's in remission. He looked great, and then it wasn't just the speech. He popped up later in the night, came in. He and he and Rollins made the save on for Dean Ambrose, and you know. Uh, he didn't bump or anything, but he he threw a bunch of Superman punches. He was out there. He was out there doing work. Mm-hmm. First of all, we should just say, "Holy shit, this is fantastic news."
1: Uh, yes, I don't think there's any reason <laughs> not to not to think
0: that. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I don't want to treat this in too much of a functional way. This is amazing news. I mean, I, when when he got sick, I heard you know that this was that the absolute best case scenario, if like everything happened magically, was that he would be better by WrestleMania time. But I really didn't think there was any I don't think the person even that told me that even believed it. And 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 so that I mean this is just magical and it's incredible for, for Roman Reigns for, you know, the the human being you know, just that he's that he's on on his way back. I mean, what what is your what is your expectation? Taking everything at face value and let's not get into K, you know, like work shoot conspiracy theories just yet. But <laughs> Do you what, what do you what is your guess? Do you think we'll see him wrestle at WrestleMania, or are I, we just are we, are we can we can we just kind of get excited that he'll probably run in and punch somebody there too, and we'll all pop?
1: I, I think that every time I think I know what's going to happen, or I say out loud what's going to happen, it seems like it's already kind of poisoned the well somehow. Just thinking about it sort of um, it makes it not so, but. I can't help but fantasize about you know him sabotaging Rollins in the Lesnar match. I mean, because there's, like you said, put aside conspiracies, but let's just say this is a great opportunity now um, to not have to, from a functional standpoint, have to work so hard to get people to see that this is a great guy that, that you should root for. But then if, if he were on board to use, to use that as a chance to finally really make that full tilt into um, just being a complete, dick, <laughs> you know, and, and do something unthinkable you know, at WrestleMania, something that would make you know Ambrose's <laughs> betrayal of Rollins seem quaint, I mean, that would be, that would um, really, I think, give you uh, an indication of just how, you know, all in, you know, Roman Reigns is for whatever um, is best for business.
0: Yeah. I, um, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the crowd reaction, because yes, the crowd was 100% behind him. Um, they were, I mean, everybody was chanting for him. He was, you know, he was relishing in it. Um, you know, Reigns has been one of those guys who you're never quite sure in the moment when he's standing in the ring, how he's feeling about the reaction he's getting. Cause he definitely would heal it up at times and, and sort of, you know, react in what I would say is the, the, the right way to the crowd getting, you know, getting on him. But you could you could sense whether or not it's true. You could sense that he was uneasy, um, with going out there and playing the conquering hero, and then getting you know booed like crazy, that's totally gone now. And as a new father, you're you're a dad, Kenny, and I mean I I, I don't want to overdo this podcast with parenting you know stories or anything. <laughs> over, as a over new, dude. yeah. As a new father, the 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 corollary that popped up in my head when I'm thinking about this crowd reaction is when your baby is just screaming and crying and. You logic, you logically know there's no there's no reason for the baby to be crying. I mean, obviously there's probably some core reason, but at this point, the baby's crying because the baby's crying, and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And what you kind of have to do is just like, like just change it, up. like do something to just snap him out of it. And right. you got to either you either got to you know just take him to another room, put him in a whole new position, put him in the bath really quickly, shush him really loudly. You got You just got to find the thing that's going to make him forget that he's crying. And then all of a sudden it's just over. You know, I mean, it's not, there's no, there's no remaining issues. I feel like I don't mean to make light of it. That, the that the, the cancer scare that Roman Reigns had is what the crowd needed to remote, to, to, to like have that snap moment and be like, Oh yeah, we don't hate this guy. We're going to, we can stop yeah. booing now. Cause you saw with John Cena, it happened over the course of what, five years that people finally came around to liking John Cena after booing him for so long. And, uh, And we all look back and we're like, "Why are we booing that guy?" I mean, just because it was fun, I guess. But for Roman Reigns, it you know, for I mean, you would not wish this on anybody. But it sure did snap everybody into attention to be like, "Oh yeah, Roman Reigns is maybe one of the best things in WWE, and we can cheer him now, and we're happy for it."
1: Well, I mean, I love, of course, the you know the the analogy can relate. I would also analogize it to say, um, having now been in marriage as long as I have, that you know, in intimate moments. You know, I can sense maybe things aren't going well. The person's not coming around. They're not. You know, I'm I'm not eliciting the uh, reaction I would like. And then something happens. Something switches. I I, I make an adjustment, <laughs> and um and now everyone's rooting for me. And then it's over. Mm. And so that's one way to look at it as well. And you you're in, your, we, in, your, just, in that.
0: This is really uncomfortable. But that but but, but my go to adjustment is just to put on a Roman Reigns mask and uh, and go
1: from there. <laughs> I have the uh, I just have the power glove that makes that that plays the uh the the shield entrance but um I'm not even gonna suggest <laughs> <laughs> the different uses for that so my but you the way, going with your particular preferred analogy um uh, it's funny because i often um you know, make the case to, to pet to new parents that, Oh, you know, kids just go through these sort of stages. And then eventually like when you're about to, when you're about to break, when you can't bend any further, they just change. And then you can, then you can relax back into your body and not lose your mind. So I guess to, to draw the parallel to WWE audiences, I thought maybe, yeah, at some point, if they're the screaming baby in this scenario, that they would just kind of, I don't know, like come out of a certain hypnosis or maybe, maybe be lulled into one. I can't really say. And, they would, um, you know, they would sort of dictate the uh, um, the dynamic. But it's been unceasing, as you said, and as it was with Cena for so long. So maybe, yeah, there had to be this outside intervention that was not uh, what anyone um, would have how anyone would have scripted in their right mind, or anyone um, or what anyone would have thought would have been necessary to bring them around to this person. But sometimes we got to be slapped out of our weird. Um, you know, our our weird insular relationship with with wrestling. And, and, um, you know, for Cena, I think it was just a haircut where that kind of weirdly sent a signal to people of like, oh, that broke the the hypnosis, that broke the hypnotic spell. (laughs) Oh, right, he's a person who's basically an entertainer who really just wants to um, make a living as an actor and part-time wrestler. And, like, the haircut did it. The haircut broke the spell. So that's, (laughs) yeah. So in this case, whatever, yeah.
0: Well, I don't want to I'm read done. too much I don't want to look into the future. I find it hard to imagine that he's going that, that Reigns is going to have a real big match at WrestleMania just because if, I don't think as, as cool as the the moment of him winning would be. I don't know. I mean, it's it still would be uh, who knows? Who knows? They need all the star power they can get. But I think it would still be a little bit uncomfortable to watch him really wrestle a match. I mean, I feel like if this were maybe maybe I'm just imagining. I feel like if this were another company, if or if this were, you know, whatever, if this were Jim Cornette booking the territory, then they would do a thing that would be good for our uh, psychologically but also good storytelling wise and have roman reigns start off wrestling jobbers you know have him actually work his way back into shape and and not go and not kind of ignore or you know not not and not not get uh, just go all in on the kayfabe of it all i mean if you're coming back from something like that you can't just jump into the ring with john cena or with brock lesnar or something like that right so i mean it, i it, it would be I think it would be cool. We, you know, it would be cool for his character too if he kind of worked his way back into ring shape, and we got some cool, you know, some we we got some some moments with him that weren't just him being thrust back into the spotlight. Because as over as he is right now, you know, it's still pretty. I would say probably pretty precarious with him. If if we if if the fans get the sense that he's being shotgunned again, what do you think?
1: No, I think it's a good question you know, about yeah about skipping the line and and how that could. Um failed to, you know, not exactly help maintain this delicate balance that there is right now. I wouldn't want to say, I wouldn't want to prejudice him because of what he's been through. I don't I don't know much about, you know, leukemia on the whole. Thankfully, I haven't had to be that informed about it in my life. And I don't know about the severity of his recurrence and his original condition. I don't know what he went through. I don't you know how difficult it was for him to remiss. I don't know all this stuff. So I don't know where he's at physically. So I don't want to say sort of a la like a Serena Williams situation where uh, we're just are sort of going to make you start over like in a low seed and because in some weird way we think we're looking out for everyone's best interest competitively and, and otherwise. But I, I also have to admit that I would be nervous watching him perform at that level of competition that you're talking about if you threw him in right in there against the Strowmans and the Lesners of the world. And I don't know why. It's irrational. By the same logic, not knowing about the severity of the condition and the way that recovery works, I don't know if it's my my place to be worried for him. Just like it wasn't, maybe you know, um, you know, the te- the tennis governing body's place to be overthinking Serena's competitive, you know, relative competitive advantages or disadvantages.
0: No, I was just going to say for all of us, I and mean, I count myself among you know in the same category as you who don't know all that we can know about leukemia, leukemia care. Which tweeted this an incredible thread about uh, understanding what we can know about about Roman Reigns' condition, sort of responding to all the online chatter. The the Twitter handle is at Leukemia Care UK, and it was just one of the most like self aware, wonderful but informative Twitter threads I've ever seen. I, I recommend everybody look it up. Maybe we'll retweet it or something. But it, it was com- replete with uh, gifs and everything else. Just it was it had a wonderful sense of humor. But basically, it said there's only so much we can know without actually like, you know, talking to his doctor or talking to him. But, you know, leukemia comes in many, many different forms and it's very complicated. And, and, uh, and, you know, we wish him the best, but you know, it looks like, it looks like he's, uh, we, I guess we can't assume anything. And I think this was directly in response to some of the online conspiracy theorizing that, uh, maybe this was all a work. Now I feel like, whether or not Roman reign's leukemia was a work, and let me just say right now for the record, it is definitely not this is a hundred percent real um right. but for all I, I feel like it's this is more of a theory of a theory like there like the idea that there are people who don't believe that he was really sick is 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 probably more prevalent than actual people who don't think he was really sick um but you know, it is something that keeps floating around, and I think that we talked about it at the time. I mean, I think that it's it's this is pro wrestling, you know, if somebody came out and they were just like you know, the sky is blue. There'd be some people out there who'd be just, or we'd all, we're all partly conditioned to be just like, well, maybe it's not blue. Maybe this is a, maybe they're work shooting us. You know what? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a natural place for your mind to go. Um, but this is all, this is all totally real. It's totally legit. And uh, the fact that he's back now, the fact that he's in remission, and like I said before, it's a, it's a minor miracle. And it's, it's just a really incredible thing. I will say from a totally crass point of view, is it is this just me or are they just are they are they kind of catchphrasing remission? When they went on SmackDown on Tuesday night, AJ Styles was just like, "I just want to say how excited I was that Roman Reigns is in remission," and they're, they're specifically not mentioning the 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 c word, or at least conspicuously not mentioning the c word. They're just saying in remission just seems to be like the new the new shorthand for everything but that's fine that's i mean fine. i'm cynical stay, enough, stay away right. from like those. putting
1: aside putting aside the work shoot stuff which i agree it's not you know it's not a work i don't blame i think you know that i was even wondering whether that was going to be a conversation but um i may, i'm cynical enough to believe that <laughs> that for all i know their relationship with Susan G. Giacomini stipulates that they can't use the c-word unless it's referencing the campaign <laughs> that they're involved with. It. I don't know. That's a, you know, that's a really that's as that's as deep as my as my cynicism runs. Um, but I, I, at at face value, you just have to assume it's just a scary word that makes kids uncomfortable and makes parents have to have conversations. Yeah, I think
0: that's probably right. That's probably right. Let's <sighs> not read too much into it. Well, it's great that Roman Reigns is back. We're very happy to have him back, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where they, where they go with it. Listen, at the end of the day, all illness and everything else aside, it's really, really kind of heartwarming to have this guy who is one of the best wrestlers, you know, all around in the company and one of the best, you know, I mean, he's he's been the face of the company whether we liked it or not over the past few years. It's great to have him back, and it's great to have him back getting cheered more than anything else. It's never going to not be cool to see the Shield guys back each other up. Right, right. Speaking, speaking of the Shield... This isn't even on my notes, but this the Dean Ambrose situation, you and I haven't gotten a chance to talk about it. It's sort of amazing how much they're using Ambrose, even to like lie down for other talent. It's amazing how much they're using him on the way out the door, if in fact or how prominently they're using him uh, if in fact he is, he is going to leave. Now, I guess you could always theorize that he's that they're, you know, they're still going to be selling him on coming back up until the moment that he walks out. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? What, what do you think about him asking for his release and or, or saying he's not going to resign? Rather, and uh, and and what do you think about the way they've been using him since then?
1: Well, it's an interesting bit of business. The the not uh, the coming out about not wanting to resign. I mean, to me, you know, it's it's a no brainer for WWE. You want to get out in front of that um, so that it doesn't turn into another, you know. Uh, CM Punk mystery exit kind of speculative thing where people, you know, all of a sudden there's Dean Ambrose chance. So, uh, um, the, and the business of why it is that he's moving on and what he's moving on to, you know, of course, people are going to talk about it, AEW, and that's going to be the new, like, shorthand for what people do when they leave WWE, and or maybe uh-huh. he just wants time off because he was, as he would often discuss in interviews over the years, he was one of the hardest, you know, house show workers around and, um, you know, and now he's married and maybe him and Renee Young want to have a family. Who the hell knows? To me, it's irrelevant to your point. It's like what's going on with this situation where he's kind of a floater. Um, to make another parenting analogy, you know, if you if you've ever had kids in daycare, you know, they usually have a couple of sort of main teachers, supervisors, and then there's a bunch of people that work in the facility that are called floaters that just kind of go from room to room filling a need but are not, you know, by no means doing trivial stuff and are, you know, doing work that's at the same level that the primary caretaker would do, but, you know, they're just not assigned to a specific room. Like, the Ambrose doesn't have a specific room right now. He's just floating from room to room, but it's an incredibly, I would imagine, um, useful role that he's filling, and I'm sure it's part of the amicable nature of this this mutual decision to, you know, be cool parting waves that's
0: my two cents. I think that's right. And weirdly on Monday night and and actually you know for the past several weeks it that floater the floater analogy is really good. It, it seems like you know as much as we want we always want our favorite wrestlers to be at the top of the card even in the face of like numerical possibility, right? I mean there's there's always going to be somebody online or somebody's complaining that fill in the blank isn't main eventing the pay-per-view. Um, when there's only two spots to main event the pay per view, right? I mean, it's 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 someone's always going to be complaining that someone's not there, and yeah, we would love to see Dean Ambrose be the fullest version of Dean Ambrose, the one that he wanted, the one you know, whatever whatever Dean Ambrose, uh, you know, is 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 creatively, you know, the platonic ideal of Dean Ambrose. We would love for that character to exist and to be thriving. But that said, he's been very useful since he's been sort of repurposed, you know, and uh, and even on Monday night. When he got beat down by this ever growing doom patrol of bad guys only to be saved by his buddies in the shield and then sort of like left lying in the ring by them, even if he was like a cog in the whole thing, he felt like a very important, useful cog. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. And if and if this is all just, you know, negotiation, I mean or I mean, and not even a deliberate one, you know, maybe he's maybe he's just gonna take some time off and come back. Maybe maybe he'll end up being what WWE seems to need more than anything else right now, which is just like a big name to come back for WrestleMania every year for a little, you know, right. Jer- Jericho-style run. If that ends up being Dean Ambrose's purpose in life, we, that would be a wonderful place for him to be because I th- there's, there's some some combination of the generational shifts, but also I think it's, you know, we're, we're, we're waiting. The Undertaker, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was about to say The Undertaker's not going to walk through that door, but The Undertaker might walk through that door. Who knows? I mean, we don't we don't really know, but with, you know, The Rock moving on to bigger and better things and everybody else aging out. And I think that combined with the fact that dudes like Cena and even Triple H and, you know, there's a bunch of other guys who you know, who are on the active roster who are in their 40s, um, people are just wrestling longer. So there's not as much, there's, I mean, there's not as many, there's not as, as big of a, 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 you know, a group of potential, you know, shocking returns for WrestleMania.
1: And it's an interesting idea that, um, maybe if someone's in, in, in a position where it feels right for them in their career, after burning themselves, you know, out on the road in and out of WWE for 15 years, like Dean Ambrose, um, if if it if, if it suits them to have the kind of um, you know Mick Foley, Chris Jericho type kind of just you know loosely contracted, make a you know spot pop-ins and appearances relationship, but at an age where he's still really at you know at peak physical vitality and peak presentation. In that way, you know, that could be that could be you know a win 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 for for everybody. But this is yeah, of course, all all speculative asterisk hashtag uh, copyright patent.
0: So just for the record, Mick Foley was forty one, I, I believe that to be true when he retired, and then was immediately called back into action to get speared to a flaming table by Edge. Um, and Mick Foley. <laughs> Mick Foley had obviously put his body through a whole lot up to that point but think about the number just look through the WWE roster and look at all the guys who are 41 or above right now you know i mean it's there's just the 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 the, the total possible the total possible group of like shocking or big name returns is diminished just by the fact that so many people even dudes like big show or randy orton who's a- facing off against aj right now or like even a- aj styles yeah. himself you know
1: <laughs> aj is turning i think 41 this year and i partly know that because him and i share a birthday
0: Oh, well, how but we,
1: I believe he's one year older than me. Um, spoiler alert: turning turning forty. So, oh, um, that's a big one.
0: Um, so yeah. anyway, so re- so we did get one wrestler of a certain vintage who made a shocking return this week. And by the way, WWE, say what you will about them, but they have surprised me in the past two weeks more than I've ever been than I than I can recall being surprised in a long time. Both with the uh, what the fuck moment of NXT guys getting called up and just getting pushed to the moon, seemingly? Right, um, right. But also this week they did a really amazing thing, and that was they they had they had been teasing this Ric Flair birthday party, and every single wrestling fan, I don't care who you are, every single wrestling fan interpreted this to be the next chapter in the Charlotte Becky Ronda Rousey uh, women's title storyline. Because what you like, Myself, of course, is- of course, Charlotte Flair was going to be out there, and this would be the perfect opportunity. Ric Flair has been um, much more—I mean, it, it, more than anything else in his life—active in in being his daughter's cheerleader over the past several years. Um, and instead, they they totally tricked us and had this and and used this moment to be the mo- the moment where Dave Batista makes his shocking return from Hollywood. To attack Ric Flair and get Triple H's attention. Now, the last time we saw Batista in the ring, I believe he and Triple H had an awkward stare down, a brief but awkward stare down that sort of teased the the this the potential for this sort of thing. And his name had been floated around, but I but I you know I had not heard with any kind of like concrete assurance that that they really thought he was coming back. And so this was such a nice surprise. I was totally blown away by it. I can't imagine being more excited for Dave Batista coming back to WWE. What are you thinking? <laughs>
1: and i And I love that he was still kind of trolling everyone by having yet another sort of tasteless tweak to his look, you know having a, just after recovering from the boutista and the blue blue Tista and the blue trunk that blue nostril uh hoop <laughs> that he had going just you know just giving the fans like something already to kind of attach themselves to to kind of give him shit about, which I thought yes. was as if we don't didn't already have enough you know fifteen years ago with his with his stupid uh belly button tattoo, no offense, but stupid. Belly button tattoo. I mean, what a wonderful tribute to whatever um, philosophical uh, stuff you subscribe to, Mr. Batista.
0: (laughs) And whatever fountain of youth he subscribes to as well because we're talking about ages. That guy's just turned 50 years old um, and he looks as good or better than um, the vast majority of professional wrestlers we've seen in our lifetimes. Uh, I don't know. I thought his return was handled so well. You know, there we just got done with um, the Oscars this weekend. I don't know if you watched them. I don't know if anyone was aware that the Oscars exist, but if you go to the, the ringer.com, you can find a whole lot of great Oscars content. Um, yeah, book, I,
1: I, book, I I I skimmed. One Thought of my the content, favorite the show.
0: One, <laughs> one of my favorite little stories coming out of the Oscars was that Bradley Cooper uh, who the famous actor who directed himself and Lady Gaga in A Star is Born also actively directed their performance. Like he 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 showed up and like and literally directed the camera men, camera women, whatever, how to shoot the how to shoot the the performance and the whole thing. Like he he took ownership of that. I don't know this to be true. I have no reason to believe this to be true. But I my I like to imagine that Dave Batista spent the past couple of years in Hollywood and that he came in and as at like a, a, a newly minted auteur directed his his backstage scene on Monday night because for all of the bullshit. Backstage camera work that we have lived through in our professional wrestling fandoms. That was the coolest thing I have think. I've it made it all worthwhile to have hated so much of this other stuff because that was such a revelation when you get this really bizarre long shot of him dragging a cameraman across that down a hallway and then and then you cut to the him yanking the cameraman up so the camera's in his face um and saying, like, you wait here and slamming the door on. that the whole sequence was just so well done. And it gave it such a sense of urgency. Um, I mean, literally, the camera work in that sequence made me excited for a WrestleMania match. And I mean, yeah. w- as much as anything else.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to comment too on that um, that that long shot, as you called it. It reminded me of uh, I, I was having trouble thinking of examples for some reason off the top of my head, but there have been so many um, low sort of um, low key creeper horror movies over the last few years where you just sort of finally see some there's some you know some monster comes in the frame and snatches someone away you know through of perspective of someone else looking in night vision um in what was otherwise kind of just like a fairly low-key drama anyway that it had that 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 abruptness to it and that sort of shock to it and, and then the putting the camera in his face um you know he broke the fourth wall in a sense by we seeing we're seeing that he's literally lifting that cameraman and doing it but that's what that seems to be the um, consistent with the way that they've been doing a lot of their uh, camera work with people lately. The idea of like, oh, we're just giving them a um, you know a handheld thing and letting them sort of um, speak their truth. You know, the Mustafa Ali stuff, and especially the way they were doing the um, the promos for the mixed match challenge. You know, these the, the way the Usos have done a lot of their stuff lately. But it was a hybrid. Right, of something much more stylized that you like, you said it'd almost be fun to kind of um, imagine that that Batista, you know, had had um, offered his his input and co-directed it. So it's a, it's fun to think about that possibility, and I agree. I think it's it's um, it it bodes well for the idea that they're going to um, make this a uh, an intense rivalry between the two of them.
0: Yeah, well, I just hope he say he hangs around because I loved Batista. He's like my he, he's weirdly become one of my favorite wrestlers since he you know sort of departed. I guess his last I always say his last run where he would just like sit in the spotlight and not talk was a great heel run <laughs> that I loved a lot. But um, yeah, he's just really he's really great. I also hope they stick. He would I want a fantasy book a feud where he t- he fights he feuds with Finn Balor. And unlike Match Three, Finn comes out as the demon, and Batista comes out as Drax. I think that would be that that would <laughs> that would that would fulfill all of my comic book wrestling fanboy dreams uh, in in one night. Um,
1: it's, it's not. I mean, look, Stephen Amell's been, <laughs> been teamed with <laughs> Stardust, so it's not far afield. And I also just want to add, Batista. Uh, despite my making fun of his belly button tattoo, I, I kind of love the guy actually outside of the ring because he, you know, his. His outspokenness and the things he's outspoken about seem to align with the with things that I, um, with the way I think about those topics and the way I would choose to be outspoken about them, which is rare in a um, combination actor wrestler.
0: It's true. It's true. And if you want to, like, you know, tell the storyline in the in kayfabe that this guy just you know doesn't give a damn, it's helpful that that's sort of his real life persona too. Um, Bingo. Moving on. As much as I'd like to talk about Batista and Triple H forever, I guess well, before we get away, the the one one note that's that's that that bears mention here is that this presumably means Triple H is good to go for WrestleMania, which uh, was looking like the strong likelihood, judging by his lack of sling for the past three months or something. But um, but yeah, I mean, on a scale, I mean, on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you for the potential of Triple H versus Batista at WrestleMania? And do you think that holds down the slot for like? you know legends match
1: that that second question is a good one i'd be curious what you what your answer to it would be i suspect you're feeling good about it um but i would say that alluding back to what i mentioned a minute ago i'm taking a slight wait and see i want to see how they build this thing i really want it to be to feel um i want it to feel urgent i want it to feel you know, in your face, I want it to feel visceral is the best way I can put it. Uh, if it gets a little too bogged down in sort of cat-and-mouse stuff, and, um, and even if it, if it gets too bogged down and just sort of rehashing history, you know, they'll, put, they'll do the video packages and stuff, but I don't want the promos to just be, you know, uh, some version of the Cohen testimony today where everyone's just telling us things we already know about things they did. <laughs> you know, uh, but if, if it avoids all of that, and it's really just, yeah, really just immediate, intense Rivalry, I'll be super into it. I think I could totally hold it down because they'll also make really spectacular entrances, each of them, and it'll be, you know, over the top. So, and I don't think we need uh, my mind. The, fur, the thing that's furthest away from my mind right now as a wrestling fan is whether we're going to see, you know, Undertaker at, you know, WrestleMania. I don't care.
0: I think the really interesting one is John Cena, um, because I think he does count as the, you know, returning legend at this point, and we don't know what he's going to be doing. Um, I you know there's a lot of uh, uh, there've been you know a couple of different rumors out there about what's going to happen to him but I but I you know I, I I think that at this point you have your Brock Lesnar Seth Rollins match and you have your Raw Women's Championship match and and you know it feels like at least I don't know if, what WWE thinks to me those feel like those sort of feel like enough I mean for to hold the show down and at this point yeah you want some legends you want some you want some matches that are that have really you know that are really special in your own way but and and you're going to there, we're going to have 12 matches that day you know but but i but at this point you're just sort of filling in around uh, uh, you know around the margins a little bit and i think that triple h versus batista has the potential to be everything we would want from that match without overly elevating our expectations that it's going to be one of the greatest matches of our lifetimes
1: and there're two guys that can actually perform whereas these legends matches of late at least one participant has had to be carried or had had to have his opponent you know really oversell
0: yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be fun to see. I mean, who knows? I mean, part of part of the the magic and the wonder of WrestleMania is is seeing what the legends can still do when they, <laughs> because we haven't seen them wrestle for six months or a year or longer. Um, but yeah, I have faith that Batista and Triple H will figure out a way to have a really good match. Um, now, before we transition fully to SmackDown, I want to talk about Triple H uh, in a more general sense, and not just Triple H, but Triple H, his wife Stephanie McMahon, her brother Shane McMahon, and their father Vince McMahon who have who came out I don't even remember how long ago now to announce the new era of WWE um which actually feels like it's it's happening um despite some you know being a little bit slow going at the beginning um but the biggest you know one of the biggest on-screen changes or or yeah or moves that they've made if not a full change has been the sort of constant presence of the McMahon family um and their their uh constant insertion or self-insertion this is getting graphic into storylines um, <laughs> back to the Roman Reigns glove yeah we're bad we're, we're, we're coming full circle <laughs> here I wrote a piece for grantland.com years ago and I don't even remember what specific storyline it was in reference to but it was called um Vince Ex Machina and it was and it was sort of tracing Vince's on-screen presence but how He, you know, after the Mr. McMahon, he, you know, people still sometimes look at him and they think he's still, he's still being Mr. McMahon in the way that he was with Stone Cold, but really, I mean, oh, I wrote this in December, 2012. So this is how long it's been. This is a full six, over six years ago, um, where he's just sort of become a, he, he's become a troll sort of. And, and I, and I think it's more so now than ever where he's playing what he's not, he's either, he's playing himself maybe, but more than anything, he's playing our perception of him. And, um, you know, he hasn't, he, I mean, it, it, he doesn't do it obviously night in and night out, but when he comes out and suspended, suspended, when he came out and suspended Becky Lynch, um, you know, part of it was a functional move in the storyline to drag the story out, to insert Charlotte Flair into the main event or, you know, into the match to, there's a lot of functional reasons for it, but he was also, you know, directly evoking Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know he was directly evoking his role in the past, and 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 not just the on screen stuff. The the all the rumors about Daniel Bryan not getting pushed because he wasn't. You know Vince didn't see him as a top guy, or you know the the, the, the list is very long. Um, and he and so he, he that's you know we've we've talked in previous weeks a lot about uh, the women's match, and we can talk about that more some, but this week it was it was. Uh, he you know double the pleasure because he's not just involving himself in the Becky Lynch Ronda Rousey feud, but on Tuesday night he involved himself in the SmackDown WWE Championship picture where during the show opening contract signing between Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston who is who is you know setting the world on fire uh, night in and night out and becoming everybody's new favorite wrestler new old favorite wrestler Vince McMahon pops out says. You know, you're not, you know, I appreciate everything you've done, but you're not what's best for business. And then brings out Kevin Owens, who the last thing I remember them doing together was Kevin Owens headbutting Vince McMahon into another century. Uh, anyway, (laughs) and inserting, he inserted Kevin Owens into the match. Now fast lane, the main event will be Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Owens, uh, for the WWE championship. And Kofi Kingston was wronged in this whole situation. If the end result here is Kofi Kingston is getting the WrestleMania magic against Daniel Bryan, then this is a huge win all around. Um, but it was a it was a really interesting segment and a really interesting re-debut of Kevin Owens. I mean, what what was your take of the whole thing?
1: Well, I'll just get out of the way, and I'm people, some people are going to roll their eyes. So I'm just going to get it out of the way. I told you this already, as you know, but for the benefit of the of the uh, the audience at home, I I couldn't ignore that you know. <laughs> To have the biggest, you know, have the opening segment of the final episode of SmackDown for this year's uh, Black History Month conclude with taking this opportunity away from um, the the company's most deserved uh, Black performer and handing it to a white performer who had just come back from being out and injured for months was, if nothing else. it was potentially provocative, or maybe it was just not even something that 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 occurred to anyone. But optically, it struck me as a bit strange, especially if they're not acknowledging it as like as as um some some incendiary thing that they <laughs> that they did. Okay, putting that aside, um, just you know, then the subsequent Black History Month promo uh, vignettes they would do just felt a little disingenuous. So, putting that aside. Oh wait! Um, I got it! I,
0: I we... got I to interrupt now to tell my favorite story of the week, which I've already told both of you. But there was a great—if you go back, pop on Hulu or YouTube or whatever, and see and watch when Ricochet and Alistair Black are coming out on SmackDown. They introduce Alistair Black. They introduce Ricochet. And then while they're both standing in the ring, the camera pans to Alistair Black while while Tom Phillips, I believe, gets on the microphone and says, "Now, as most of you know, we've spent all month honoring Black History, and I was a hundred percent sure." That he was about to make an Alistair Black pun and that WWE would go out of business today, um, <laughs> but but in fact they just went they went to the Black History Month video package. But at the moment I was just like I was just absolutely glued to my screen wait to wait to see how bad this pun was going to be. Uh, but luckily they, it was just a coincidence. But anyway, go ahead.
1: Are, no, the, the WWE, whether they mean to or not, maybe it's just an inevitability because of the, the the insistency of the amount of programming they do. They are always very close to that third rail. So, um, and also we should mention Alistair Black, <laughs> notice, notably or noticeably, excuse me, um, talking through um, the match with Rusev during the match. But anyway. I thought it was actually kind of ingenious because you know there's been this thing with the Kofi situation where WWE kind of stumbled into something that they didn't necessarily plan, where Kofi was becoming um, this yeah this kind of sensation all of a sudden as if he shouldn't have been you know, previous and. It seemed, I guess, to fans like they got what they wanted. They demanded that Kofi get this opportunity. They demanded that he get in that, you know, be among the final two, essentially, in the elimination chamber, and all that happened. And Vince coming out in his trollish way, as you alluded to, kind of in and out of, floating in and out of character, as he always does, kind of says in character, uh, no, 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 you know, um, I'm going to kind of take this back from you <laughs> so in a way he's, he's less taking the opportunity from kobe than he is take, stealing the the taking the wind out of the sails of the fan base so it's a real dick move but it's but it's perfect but but I, I more just i vince has not been as charismatic lately which kind of makes it all a bit a bit less uh compelling somehow like it doesn't make it it, it from the standpoint of is it great TV, the answer is a little less yes because Vince is just kind of losing his... Um... Fastball? Yeah, thank you, thank you. So that was my real reaction to it. I hope um, you're right that this turns into, you know, really they're 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 really setting Kofi up for something big here and they're not making him kind of a lame duck, fast lane opponent, just like they made, in my opinion, Braun Strowman a lame duck uh, opponent for Brock Lesnar uh, circa... The event in Saudi Arabia that had the name of which I already forget, and crown jewel, yeah, crown jewel. So that's where I was going with with that. I'll just to put a fine point on it. To me, Kofi Kingston, this is such an obvious thing to say, but to me, Kofi Kingston, like Roman Reigns, is one of those people where I, I don't understand how you really can't get behind them when they've done nothing with with their position in WWE for as long as they've been in there, but. Put, put good out there as, as individuals and on behalf of of, uh, of WWE. So, you know, hopefully hopefully everyone wins, like you said.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, when Vince came out, I was watching SmackDown with the family on uh, last night, and I got to tell you, everybody in the room, when Vince came out and, and said he was going to replace Kofi Kingston, everybody in the room separately independently came to the well, well i can't speak for the baby but everybody else in the room independently <laughs> came to the uh came, came to the decision that vince was going to put biggie langston or sorry biggie into that into the spot and he was oh, going to try, try to jump start a little you know interesting feud within the new day maybe that'll be something they do down the line but you know at, part of me is really glad they didn't that they're just letting them stay together and and, and act as unit um you know, the Kevin Owens thing I think is going to be interesting to watch play out just because uh, I don't know if there will if there will ever be any sort of like connective tissue between those Bizarro promo, you know, return videos he's been doing of late and his character now. Um I heard some rumor that they were that they were planning on Owens versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania and I don't and I assume that's not at least not straightforwardly still the plan. Maybe we're looking towards a triple threat or something like that, but I don't know the new day's reaction to being pulled out. I thought was was really interesting. Kofi looked legitimately sad. His performance in the main event I thought was you know good and interesting, and 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 him and and Owens you know working as a team. I thought was you know had its had its uh, I mean it was definitely definitely was some compelling storytelling. Um, So you know I guess I'll see where we go. Daniel Bryan was um, remarkably uh, secondary or tertiary. Um, to the entire proceedings at the you know to open the show, um, and I think I, I think that's weirdly a, a, a means of complimenting Daniel Bryan. Um, his like his his prestige or his charisma is such that he can just sit silently in a chair with his hair pulled back in a ponytail and and sort of make make something seem important. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it'll it'll definitely be intriguing to see where we go. Now we talked about. We talked about the lack of WrestleMania matches. As we speak, um, we only have a couple. We have, let's see, four official matches for Fastlane, which is in two, just under two weeks. Um, Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Owens, the uh, the women's tag team match, Bailey and Sasha Banks versus Nia Jackson, Tamina, Oscar versus Mandy Rose. That's an interesting one, just to see if they're going to stretch that out towards WrestleMania, and um, and or, and what what they're what else they would do with Oscar if they don't go that route. Um, and then the Usos against, uh, Miz and, and Shane, um, you know, clearly this title match is, is the big storyline and I find it hard to imagine that the New Day won't be involved somehow. Um, you know, we've talked about it before on this show a lot, but the, but the sort of, you know, whenever Vince McMahon comes out, whenever Vince or Triple H or anybody or Stephanie, whenever anybody says somebody's not best for business in whatever words they use to say it. Uh, that's the most transparent lie in, in all of professional wrestling because their presence <laughs> and their the the fact that they're cutting a promo on somebody to begin with is all you need to know about their significance. But the New Day um, and Kofi Kingston in particular, above all else, is just so transparently not true because the New Day are you know the the biggest merch merch movers in the company. Um, the
1: in I in more if ways than one could, they have them actually pushing it during the show yeah exactly
0: and they and and to have them and and to find a way to get the new day in any form into a main event match at wrestlemania has to be considered a win so that's where i'm assuming that we're going to go one way or the other i guess in you know as you continue to write your your columns of breaking down each match it's sort of amazing though that we have how many names that we have to go through that are not yet accounted for john cena we mentioned um, Drew McIntyre we don't know what they're doing with Finn Balor we don't know what they're doing with Braun Strowman you know there's there's all of these names um, and and that's and that's setting aside the other thing I wanted to talk to you about which is the you know the 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 new blood that's popped up from NXT I, I mean I got to tell you that tag team match last night I didn't I I wasn't paying attention to who was was talking to who during the match but ricochet and alistair black versus nakamura and rusev was like i could have watched i could have watched six hours of that match i mean that was just so much fun to see those guys play off each other and um you know as cool as it was to see diy beat the revival and just go against the revival on raw as cool as some of these you know these these sort of surprise debuts have been um i really god that that's the one that made me feel like some for some weird real hope for for where all this is going i don't know what what, what's what's your take on the on the nxt well takeover no pun intended been so far
1: well i i part of me is trying to figure out exactly what they're doing Hey, what they're laying the groundwork for it's 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 still i i've sort of rewound Some parts have run smack in the last couple of weeks, and I've looked up some stuff on on different sites just to kind of piece together. So, okay, are we saying now that all that these? Guys are now uh, real call-ups, and if so, which roster are they on? Is that are they kind of just seamlessly kind of swapping those guys in for the, and then taking out you know the EC threes and and Lars Sullivan's etc that were kind of teased out for so long in those promos in the beginning of the year, which I the Lars Sullivan story is more complicated, but isn't it strange that um, you know this weird it's not even a bait and switch because it feels like we got the better end of the deal here ultimately, but we saw those weeks and weeks of promos about Nikki Cross and Lars Sullivan and EC3 and Lacey Evans. And I forget who else. And those guys are already an thought basically for one reason or another. Yeah. And now it's all about the ricochet, Alistair Black and Gargano and, and Ciampa, you know, revolution. And maybe that's how it should have been all along. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It seems like they just, um, they just really um, uh, I don't know how to exp- I don't know well, and, I, I, part of it's, me is-
0: it's it's not just them it's not just them but there's this, this broader NXT sort of movement going on right now where we're finally getting a proper use out of the revival we're probably get we're finally getting proper use out of uh, Andrade Sieanos or I guess uh, whatever we're calling him now Andrade, Andrade. Um, and and you see that you know it, it does feel like there's a sort of generational shift happening. Right now, and that's you know to say nothing. And you touched on this in your piece this week about um, about Seth Rollins sort of being the the spiritual godfather of this whole thing, and him finally getting his his big baby face run on top. Um, You know, it's it's going to be it's 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 going to be really intriguing to see where they go. You're right. I do feel a little bit bad for the people that came. They got you know that last uh, abrupt call up. you know, Lars Sullivan. It seems like a really sad situation. We'll see how that plays out. I hope that, you know, I mean, we're we're kind of on the road now. If he if he does come up to just, I mean, it, it's starting to feel. Or it, even before, you know, the rumors started flying, it started to feel like a Brotus Clay situation almost, where it was like they had just run that promo package so many times that the only thing that was going to ha- that that seemed to make sense was for him to come out to funk music. But, um, <laughs> but the but you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with him. There's a lot of rumors now that Lacey Evans is a is a huge favorite of the of the you know powers that be in WWE with some with a combination or weird or you know some might say awkward ju- juxtaposition of her on screen character and her real life backstory you know being ex military and everything else they think there's a lot to push you know a lot to like about her um, yeah and, but but yeah I mean EC three did seem to get lost in the shuffle
1: yeah he's been TOA and I. I... I'm surprised. I didn't necessarily. I necessarily, you know, I, he was. I remember, you know, seeing him, you know, in his earliest days at TNA, and I, and I wasn't surprised that he came through the ranks with WWE, and I wasn't surprised that he got called up and was being pushed. And I didn't. Have, I felt like I'm his biggest fan. I, I don't know if I was um, who he was being pushed to, but I saw the potential. I was so I'm. I'm surprised he's um, a main eventer now in the lesser sense, on the on the uh, you know being featured more on the program main event, um, and. I guess I'll just roll with it if this means okay, Ricochet at all are just here to stay, and, and they're going to sign a contract, quote unquote, you know, in kayfabe terms with one of the brands soon, and and these, um, you know, this de facto tag team of Ricochet and Alistair Black is just a preamble to, a, to something between the two of them, and if not now, down the road, I'm good with all that. I just have to say unequivocally, um, no disrespect to any of the other ladies and gentlemen that we've been talking about. I mean, I think I've told you before, Ricochet to me for years now has been the guy. He's been the most, to me, the most exciting um, guy to watch and think about the the potential of um, for quite a long time pre and and, uh, pre-WWE, during NXT and now in WWE, even though he's a little bit more all shocks than you would expect, but he's got charisma, he's got swagger. It's going to come out in time. And I mean, barring, you know, calamity, uh, you know, major injury, etc. knock on wood. I just think he's nothing short of the future of pro wrestling. I just think he's that, I think he's that evolved.
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I, I totally agree with you about Ricochet. Everybody, all, all four of the dudes who've been called up, you know, in the, in the recent, I mean, the past couple of weeks have been uh, sort of revelatory in their own way. Um, I think that, I mean, I mean this in the nicest possible way, but Gargano and Ciampa just, just you know, being able to hang against the bar, who are twice their size, uh, yeah. I thought spoke. I mean, was was huge for me, and I think both those guys are so gifted. I mean, you know, I, it's. I, I said long, long ago that if Johnny Gargano were six inches taller, he would already be. You know, he'd be Roman Reigns right now. You know, I mean, he would he he'd be the number one guy in in any company. Um, so it's good to see him. It's good to see him out there, really showing his stuff. Um, I think you know, Alistair. I'm the biggest Alistair Black Mark in the world. I've actually, I thought he's, I thought think he's been firing on all cylinders since he's been on the main roster to a point where, like, I'm I'm surprised in every match it's something that he pulls off. Yeah, um yeah. And and he and and it's and you can't look at him and not see exactly what he's exactly what the best case scenario is for him in WWE. You know, I mean, it's it's just right there. But all of that said. I mean, Ricochet, Ricochet is immediately the most comfortable out there. The most the, you see. I mean, there's not there's not a moment's hesitation. There's not even like, if he had been called up, there wouldn't have even been like a what's this guy doing here? Like, it's not you. You immediately forget that he was even in NXT or ever did anything else. He he's so perfect, and yeah, I mean, just a generational like like shifting talent. I think that the my my only qualm about Ricochet is is whether he's going to make. The other aerial guys look worthless, you know. I mean, it's <laughs> it's he he's just so it's everything is so effortless, everything is so amazing, and um, you know, watching. I mean, and, and frankly, Alistair Black uh, who doing is doing his his level best to keep up with Ricochet um, since they've been called up has been, and and also you know the halftime show and everything else has spo- has shown me a lot about Aleister Black. I mean, in, in a very positive way. But yeah, I mean, Ricochet just, I agree. I think that he's so ready. I mean, he's going to, and WWE has a huge star in him. And you know that they know they have a huge star in him because they have him wrestling in a Ricochet t-shirt. They know that they're going to sell these things. They're going to sell these things by the truckload. Um, Every time he pops out there, he's just, just, uh, it's amazing. I was watching with my 10-year-old when he came out and I was just like, you know, I don't—I try not to like skew his opinion too much, but I was like, hey, pay attention because this is your new favorite wrestler. And he was like, (laughs) yeah. yeah, Yeah, he was like, Yeah, right and then like and he was sort of like, you know, sarcastic about it for about thirty seconds and then it was just the sort of rapture that I haven't seen since like his the first time he laid eyes on John Cena. You know, I mean it was just this is this is the guy.
1: Do you mean he didn't have that response to Lacey Evans? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give uh, him four years. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I had the same thing. Same thing with my six year old, uh, you know, with Ricochet. It was his love at first sight and everything where everything works that you know the entrance music, the whole thing. I mean, and he could—he's, you know, once they give him an opportunity to really um, be introduced on a grand stage and have really put some money behind an entrance of his and and, and put some, some theater behind it, it's going to seem like he's—it's going to be like he's a made man, uh, anointed at at that point. And I, God, I feel like I'm jinxing him, like he's going to, you know, tear an MCL tomorrow. But uh, <laughs> I'm excited. It excites me from the second I, I laid eyes on that guy. Um, which I'm guessing must have been in some, you know I'm not pretending I knew him from the moment he started wrestling, must have been in some New Japan match years ago or something. I just thought, Oh, I'm um, I like I want to tune in every week for that guy and that guy's I wanna see when that guy eventually, you know, moves on to, to bigger things. So yeah, he rules.
0: <laughs> I've told this story before, but I have one good ricochet story and it it's it's to me like my favorite encounter with a pro wrestler story for a lot of reasons, but I went to a taping of Lucha underground, um, when I was in LA. Um, and, and he was, it was second season two, I think. I mean, it was, it was pretty early on and I went and I, I sat, you know, I went to the whole show and it was a a lot of fun watching it. I mean, it's a, it's a super cool venue and, and the way they do it is, is, is really, really cool. um, but he he Prince Puma, which is Ricochet's character wasn't on the show. And I that was a little bit a little bit disappointing to me cuz I, I wanted to see him work, but whatever. I had a good time overall. And then afterwards I was talking to some people who worked there and, and just sort of getting a t- I think I got a tour of the whole stage, the whole setup, the backstage area and everything and and if you've seen the show, it's really cool cuz all of like the backstage uh you know sets they use are actually just like the backstage behind the ring. I mean, it's it's all like it's it's an actual setup. Um so I was uh, getting the tour, and I was walking out. And as I was, as I was leaving, I just looked down, and right in the front row of a now empty arena was Ricochet, just sitting there and just staring at the ring. And I just, wa- I just walked over and I said hi. And I was like, "Wait, did I miss something? Are you booked to work?" And he was like, "No, man, I just love wrestling."
1: Oh man, that's the best.
0: And I was just like, "Well, you're just here because you, what, you, be, you don't have to be here, and you're just here." And he's like, "Yeah, man, this is this is everything." And <laughs> I was just like,
1: "Imagine going, imagine right. showing up." at your job on a, on a sick day, you know, but.
0: Yeah. uh, It's like, don't you have comp time today? And you're like, man, I do, but I just love the internet. I just, I just love the production (laughs) of online content. Oh man. Um, I, and
1: I, and I also just, as a quick postscript to that, um, I, I should say just, you know, uh, from my experience, trying to, um, get to know him better since he's become a part of WWE, um, and, working trying to work with the WWE machine a little bit on that over the last couple of years i'll say to their credit you know they very clearly tried to kind of protect him a little bit and not get him overexposed and overwhelmed and i think they've handled him not with kid gloves but i think they've handled him appropriately and um i think he's the he is the triple h ideal of how you know you want to see a guy get recruited and develop and assimilate into
0: the main roster yeah, man, it's gonna be really cool to see where to see what they do with them. All right, um, I think I mean we've hit most of the high points of uh, of this week, and and listen, it's been crazy. Oh, one thing about Fastlane that I forgot to mention, and this this is uh, this touches on something we talked about before. Um, yeah. I don't know if it matters, but previously, according to the local advertising or whatever, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair had been advertised as a match on Fastlane, and now it's no longer advertised. So. Presumably, I mean, I guess the, the 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 Occam's Razor answer to this is that they were booking, they were advertising Becky Lynch to get people in their seats, um, and now they gotta they gotta hold true to the suspension angle. Um, yeah. But so so that's I went through the card earlier, and that's a match that that I guess might have happened, but isn't actually happening. Um, you know, one one more thing before we get out of here. Um, I mentioned him at the top of the show. We just found out that the honky tonk man is going to be inducted in the hall of fame. Now I don't know, but I don't know where you sit on the honky tonk man. Um, but there was on a change. lot of,
1: Directly on yeah.
0: <laughs> there was a lot of, uh, a lot of argument in various, um, various, uh, you know, wrestling text message groups that I'm about whether or not the honky tonk man was a deserving hall of famer. And I, and every year we do this thing. And I think that the, you know, deserving is not a word that even needs to be mentioned in terms of the Hall of Fame, and and because it's just this sort of imaginary thing, and and we can't put everybody that deserves to be in all at once, um, or else there would be no Hall of Fame ceremony every year if we just put all the important people in one year. But um, but I mean, what, what's your? I mean, I what's your what's your honky tonk man take? I'll let you go first.
1: I you know, if I'm being honest, I he I I you know when I was growing up. He was he bloomed large for me, you know. He resonated. He's he he distinguished himself in my imagination. Um, and when you were a kid, it was pretty mesmerizing that you got to follow someone in you know in in, in pursuit of breaking a record for the longest reign of any championship. And it, that really, I think, is what sets him apart and makes them, if you will, hall of fame worthy. Is he has the mystique of having been for so long the longest running Intercontinental champion, and and it's sort of a um, for. It, you know, I mentioned to you pre-record, you know, recording this podcast that I felt like it, you know, for better or worse, it kind of, the package they did in him sort of underscored, you know, kind of how acts, how really truly uh, indebted the Elias persona is. Donkey Dog Man. Maybe that was intentional. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just—it's um, a way of showing how indelible um, their best characters are, and the Donkey dog Man was one of those at a time. And he's intrinsically linked uh, and inextricably extric- linked you know, with Jimmy Hart and what Jimmy Hart did um, in creating total packages in the presentation of performers for whom he created the entrance music and managed was a big part of a big era in WWE too. So I think, it, um, I think it's part of the fabric of all that. And he's not the last or biggest name that will be inducted. So um, that's, that's really my, my word.
0: I mean, listen, I love the honky-tonk man. I love him. I love him. And even as, a, I mean, as a, everybody who knows me knows that I grew up watching Memphis Wrestling, and I did not have any idea who this guy was prior to him being the honky-tonk man. I mean, I, I know I know he's like what Jerry the King Lawler's cousin or whatever, and he wrestled some all over, you know, in, in the South as part of like the, the Blonde Bombers and, uh, you know, under his real name Wayne Ferris and stuff, but... um I mean, it says a lot about Vince McMahon that he could have looked at that guy and said, like, I have an idea, and it, that it worked to the extent that it did. I mean, I, it's he's he's iconic. And I think anybody of our generation, anybody of our generation, when you think about wrestling, like, he's going to be one of the first five names that you mention, especially someone who like, a lapsed fan. You know, somebody that watched growing up but doesn't, you know, does, w- w- wasn't really cued in past the Attitude Era or whatever. I mean, the Honky Tonk Man was just so indelible and – uh yeah. I mean, listen, he didn't have some like great career. I mean, you know, time, he didn't have an era spanning career. He didn't have much of a career outside of WWE. You know, I'll make the case that he probably that if you want to take in total body of work, he did, he did contribute an incredible amount to the work. I mean, to the the shoot video genre. And that's not nothing in today's wrestling world, but he, but he's, um, yeah. it's going to be, it's, you know, he's just one of those guys that like, I, I'm just happy. I'm happy to have him around. And I guarantee Elias will be involved somehow with him and, uh, or, yeah. or they'll figure they'll figure out a way if, to get and Jeff Jarrett, uh, yeah, exactly to get Jeff Jarrett and the Roadie involved. We might just have a we might just have you know a, a concerto of, of guitar shots at WrestleMania weekend somewhere, and and I mean have, a, all guitar uh, shots, bang, yeah.
1: They'll all um, get simultaneous gong shot on the on the heads of the headbangers. <laughs>
0: no, no. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I hope they go into they deserve it more than anybody else. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> c- congrats to the honky tonk man. Um, Yes, honky, man. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we get out of here?
1: I mean, I'm sure there's aspects of the things we've already talked about that I would have um, bored people with more opinions on. I don't think there's anything else that requires urgent attention. Apologies to uh, Ronda Rousey and other talent that maybe we didn't get around to to deconstructing this week.
0: Oh, yeah, Ronda Rousey gave up her belt. I forgot we totally didn't even touch on that. I don't know that it matters that much in the long run, but... It's interesting to see where that angle goes. It seems that she's relinquished the title because, and again, for all the people wondering why Charlotte Flair is involved in this feud, this is it. I mean, it, for I don't know, you don't have to agree with the storytelling, but the answer is so that Ronda Rousey can be, can still work babyface, can still put over Becky Lynch as the appropriate right. opponent uh, with, without having to, I mean, without really just confusing everything. And, and, and I got to say, I kind of I like where this is going.
1: It's going to be a, fucking incredible
0: match yeah i like seeing all the big bad the, the big raw bad guys uh teaming up together i have no idea what they're going to do with it and probably they don't have anything particularly planned for it but uh it is a cool it is a cool visual to have like four gigantically muscled guys just all beating up one person at the same time you can never go wrong with that i'm just emptying the notebook now like we do on my other podcast uh the press box um what else do i have oh, oh i know you um,
1: I thought you were. I thought you were referring to the the film, The Notebook, that you were consulting or were scribbling in
0: <laughs> reference to <laughs> no. that. Our uh-huh. uh, R- R- truth, our truths. Uh, John Cena homage is the, maybe the greatest gimmick I've ever seen in my life. I really, really enjoyed <laughs> that. And to to have Carmella sort of be the to be like the you know the angel on his shoulder or the devil on his shoulder, whichever whichever one. I hope they keep going with that. Oh, Eric Rowan looks looked surprisingly spry and cool wrestling in street clothes or whatever the hell he was you you would call what he wore?
1: He's like the only guy that's suddenly allowed to just wear shirts of bands he likes and not stuff with his <laughs> own iconography on it. And I guess he's done playing Dungeons and Dragons with you know now as a gimmick and he's yeah. you know earthier.
0: <laughs> I will I will I will say I'll go to my grave saying that the moment where the moment that Bray Wyatt went wrong, when every when everybody looks back and says, How could they have messed up with that, it's when they had him stop wearing that plain black or that black sleeveless shirt with the little red, like vulture insignia on the, on the chest and had him start wearing merch. Like the merch was the end of Bray Wyatt. I swear to God that was, that, that's when it, that's when it went wrong.
1: And the straw hats and Hawaiian shirts weren't going to do many favors either, but I think you're right. It's like, yeah, cause what, come on, what, a guy that's, that's, that's this much of an outlier is going to be that shrewd about his, his, branding himself it just doesn't make any
0: sense yeah, yeah. uh two more quick things and we got to go one um well we said it at the top of the show welcome back Matt Hardy it's amazing he seems to have lost about one quarter of uh, Hardy brother he looked he looked good uh, I'll say I've said it before and I'll say it again it's it, it is heartwarming uh for all the things that we said about Rowan Reigns at the top of the show it is heartwarming and wonderful to see how far Matt Hardy has come for having two wooden sticks as legs uh it's I mean it's just <laughs> a really impressive thing um, and my last note, my highlight of the entire week was the backstage promo that AJ Styles cut where he said, you know, he, this is the house that AJ Styles built and, and Randy Orton intervened to, to ask him what he was saying and apparently, um, and apparently admit once and for all that Randy Orton never watches professional wrestling on television um, because he's never heard the most famous, the top guy on SmackDown's catchphrase before. So um, Randy, go back to your tour bus and, 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 and recline because you're, you're doing great work,
1: man. Uh, that is um, that is a um, uh, that is a very specific highlight of the week. <laughs> I, I I mean mine would probably be something a little more generic, uh, but I can't I can't think of what it is. But yes, congrats to Mr. Reigns on his row mission. And uh, you know, <laughs> fucking mania, here we come.
0: Uh, well, do you have do you have some plugs for us? Everybody read everybody read Kenny stuff on the Ringer dot com. Plug plug your Twitter handle and anything else you got going on this week.
1: Follow me on Twitter because I need you at Kenny Herzog, and um, you know I'm working on stuff, you know, wrestling and non-wrestling related. But I, I, I'll, you know, if you follow me, then it will come.
0: You've done some fantastic writing for The Ringer and other websites, um, which you can mention if you want this this week and and all along. Um, I wanted I wanted to get you on closer to WrestleMania where we could actually go through your match by match breakdowns and maybe and we'll do that for sure. Uh, but thanks for coming on this week. It's been a lot of fun. Apologies, as always, to Dean Ambrose. Um, and we'll see you back here next week, Humanoids.
1: We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on The Mass Man Show.